welcome to Conversations About Life. Thank you, Jeremy, for being a guest on the podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be here. And so I, I know you through church and you're I just asked my daughter earlier this morning, how many kids you guys have six kids? That is, is that correct. Right? <laughs> and uh, we just found out we got one more on the way. So, Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And you're in the construction field? That is right. Yeah. Um, kitchen and bath remodeling. Okay. Yep. And then do you work for a company? I do work for a company. Um, STL Design and Build is the company I work for. They're based up in uh, St. Louis. Their office is in Maryland Heights. Um, but we do work, you know. It's generally up that direction. Okay. You, do you enjoy that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, you know, um, the the thing itself, the concept of the um, building, working with your hands, um, building something that you can look back and see what you've done is always nice. And it's in the remodel field, so you have a... You know, I've never actually really worked in new construction, maybe like one project or two projects, but, but never um, concentrated in new construction. So, so the remodel industry is, <clears throat> I enjoyed a lot because you have uh, what was there before and, um, you know, then you rip it all down and put something in new and um, right. If everything goes right, it's a whole lot better than <laughs> what's there, but what was there before. So uh, it's, yeah. it's cool to see the transformation. And be able, you know, it's like I remember as a boy, uh, um, I always enjoyed uh, cutting grass, you know, because it's kind of that, like, um, you're able to look back and see, and like, man, that yard looks nice now, you know. It, it was kind of drabby, and now it's nice and clean cut. Same sort of um, emotion or, or satisfaction, I suppose, in, um, in doing a project like that. You, as, as you continue on and get to the final stages, you're like, man, that looks nice, you know, so... Yeah, it's satisfying in that sense. In my bathroom, I can look down and see the basement. <laughs> mm. I got a, a big hole in. Um, oh, well, <laughs> that's uh, that you know, it's, and it's not a laundry chute. No, uh, <laughs> no. Um, I thought I was going to be changing the wax ring, and then it just grew the project, and oh. now I've got the subfloor cut away, which. And the wall torn into because the subfloor kind of went underneath into the okay. the wall a little bit where it was kind of like rotting, rotting you know. And um, I'm going to have to build like a support along the floor joist or something. I, okay. So that I can put down more plywood because of just the way it's arranged. Okay. And, uh, anyway, so I'm in the middle of that. But yeah, you can just walk in there look right down and see the laundry room well that's uh yeah we'd we'd charge extra for that that that's an an amenity that uh is not a normal bathroom so (laughs) So, um you know i um talked with you a little bit about just your background um and um so you you have you're a christian that's right and um you kind of come from, is it like more of an independent Baptist type of background? It is background? an independent Baptist, um, uh, sort of a fundamentalist um, background, yeah. And then your brother kind of was influential and in, That's right. You know, in your transition to where, where you are now and right. so forth. Yeah, um, um, 
we uh, grew up in, in um, uh, like I said, the independent fundamental um, circle, um, which, you know, of course, I guess probably any kid growing up in anything doesn't quite understand what they're growing up in until they're old enough to sort of kind of uh, figuring um, that out. So it was completely normal in, in my thinking, you know, it was, this is just how things are. And in fact, it was, it wasn't, um, it was a, it was a good childhood. We had faithful parents, you know, my parents uh, stayed together. They were Christians, um, you know, so we had a, a stable family life for the most part. Of course, there's um, drama mixed in there and hard times and, and rough times, but overall, you know, it was stable, um, enjoyed the churches that we were involved with um, growing up, um, enjoyed, um, um, yeah, enjoyed life really as a kid. You know, I, I had a great childhood. Um, as I was, uh, y- you know, got older, really, and uh, all the way through my college experience, ended up going to a um, Christian college in Oklahoma City. And, yeah, it was there um, after uh, me and my wife got married, Victoria, um, that things started to shift in my mind. And a, and a catalyst for that was kind of the circumstances surrounding um, my brother, where he um, began to um, um, dabble in, well, well, I, I guess maybe background-wise, right, the the circles that I grew up in, there were, um, very sort of, um, flags that, that would fly, um, that this is kind of like what we're known for. And, uh, so a couple of those major ones was like, um, um, uh, the King James, um, version issue and they were King James only and very adamant King James, uh, only, you know, um, the, any other versions of the modern versions or anything like that, you know, they'd call perversions and, um, you know, just, just turned them out outright. This is a work of Satan to confuse the authority of scripture and, um, um, that, that kind of, um, thinking towards it. And, um, and then, um, a lot, there was a huge emphasis on like the externals, um, the way you dress, the, uh, you know, what you would watch or going to the movies or not going to the movies. Um, you know, even things like, um, um, I, I, I feel like it's a given that they would be against drinking, but even more than being against drinking, it was, there was many, um, who, you know, wouldn't even support going into a restaurant that had a bar or, um, that sold alcohol at the uh, at the restaurant, um, so so it's kind of going through. Um, so, so so that's kind of the mindset. Now I, I say that that was kind of the circle that I grew up in. Within Independent Baptist, it's it's a spectrum, you know, um, from one end to the other, I suppose. But I think um, at least the ones that that I was acquainted with. Um, that was true. That uh, kind of across the board. Um, was it like heavily dispensational? Yes, but I didn't understand exactly what that meant, and there wasn't um, 
there wasn't a huge emphasis on that because, um, ironically, there wasn't, there wasn't much of an emphasis on like, I say that they would be strong dispensationalists, but it wasn't like explained very much, or maybe it was just because I was a kid during that time and I didn't listen and I have no idea what's going on. Um, so, but it doesn't, it doesn't ring in my mind as like this, that was something that, um, was a huge emphasis, mm-hmm. um, in that sense. Um, I think it came up when, you, you know, cause they would say like, well, how people, how are people saved in the old Testament or mm-hmm. that kind of a thing? And well, it was kind of foggy, I guess their explanation, um, which now at, at, at my understanding now, it's like, well, it's, they were saved by the same way we're saved. <laughs> By trusting in Christ and in, in the Messiah, I mean they're looking forward to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. We're looking back to Christ's work, but it's the same. There has to be. I mean, the whole sacrifices for their, you know, this is pointing towards what is coming, and so it's like that act. There is that obedience, just like we have today. You know, we we don't. Um, you know, you can't be like the. Uh, um, well, like James says, right, works without faith, or our faith without works is is no faith at all, essentially. Yeah, so a guy who was a, a guest on my podcast, and I talk with him and enjoy him, he's a friend, um, he's very dispensational, okay. and um, like I mentioned James to him, James chapter 2, and his response was, well, that's not written for us, that's written for the um, tribulation saints. So his... So he sees everything in a real, really dispensational period, even in splitting up the New Testament, like the Gospels were written for the Jews, Paul's letters for us in the age of grace, and then some things like Hebrews and James written for the future, for the dispensational. Okay. So I don't. So are we? <clears throat> are we then to gain? Are we like? Is there benefit? for us and even even if you think okay well James isn't actually for me is there benefit for us reading James and like understanding what it's going to be like for them or I think he I would say only <clears throat> in as much as it fits with what Paul says you know okay um that's for us otherwise it's not really for us so like the faith has to be works has to be I mean faith has to be completed with works okay. like he'd say well that's not us we're under grace, that's for thin, you know. Right. So it's, um, anyway, it seems yeah. like a kind of a strange thing somewhat to me. Yeah, that wasn't a huge emphasis because, I, or at least my experience, you know, it, um, I think we had talked a little bit about this, the, just this idea of like, um, once you're saved, as they would call it, right? Once you're converted, you've... Um, trusted the gospel. You've trusted Christ. Like the gospel w- is like more uh, the plan of salvation, or like um, what God had to do to save us, which is not untrue. <laughs> I mean, that, that, uh, as far as my understanding, right, right. It's not a, that's not untrue. It's just incomplete. You know, we live in the gospel. Um, we don't just. Oh, good. We we figured it out. We trusted it, and now we go on to what we should wear, or 
which Bible we should use or um, whether or not or you know the the rest of the Christian life is about all of these externals and it's this hard even you know every time I kind of explain this it is this hard like um, balance because um, you know the accusation from that side now um, looking towards like my position now is the oh so you're saying uh, you can do whatever you want now you know and it and that's not important what you do externally like in almost in the body like it, this doesn't matter it's all about that God has atoned for our sin and there's a certain part of me that's like yes <laughs> but then it's like but no no like works are important like we have to um, live in submission to the Lord like he is actually the Lord in a real way of a real world and he's created us with real bodies, and we have real senses, and we have to live according to the Scripture um, and in submission to our Lord. So um, works will come, but it's it's not um, it's not like we've moved past the the gospel into now works and gospel. The gospel's in the review mirror. It's like the gospel is the car that we're driving. You know, it's, um, yeah. So, so it's more, um, all inclusive. Like it shapes the way we think about everything or should, you know, Mm -hmm. of course we all fail at that in various ways. Um, but yeah, so, so, so that would be, I'm a difference there. Okay. Okay. So um, I jotted down some questions this morning that I thought I would kind of ask and uh, just uh, places to jump off from. And um, this first one is, what's the most important thing to know about you when it comes to knowing who you are as a person? Hmm. Well, the most important thing... Um, Well, there's a lot of things that come to my mind about answering that. What is the most important one? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm generally a pretty laid-back guy. Um, I don't get worked up um, all that much. There are things that I'm passionate about. Um that I that I could get worked up about. Um, I um, I have a pretty good sense of humor. I feel like that's been kind of a characteristic that's run through my, you know, um, childhood and on into today. I enjoy I enjoy humor. I um, life is kind of comedic <laughs> if you're looking for it. <laughs> um, so uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy our children. Um, yeah, I believe in the, uh, definitely believe in the family. Um, yeah. 
you said you're not passionate, but there are things you could get worked up on. Like what or what are you thinking of? Oh, um, you know, things, uh, I guess I'll, there are a lot of things like, especially, well, like what I just described, some of those shifts in thinking from that, I, that I came from in the past where it was a focus on the externals and not on Christ. So there's definitely, if, if that topic of, um, let's say discussion comes up, like I can be probably at times error into maybe more passionate than <laughs> I should be about like trying, you know, it's, it's that error of trying to point out like, can't you see that's not right? You know, like uh, it seems so, so simple to see. Um, so, so I think I could probably at times go overboard in, in being passionate about that and forget um, that I was once there and um, it took a lot of time for me to come out of that, you know. So your, so your brother, I mean, now you're kind of in like a reformed Baptist Correct. church. Yeah. So did your, is that, did your brother lead you all the way to that? Is he also in a reformed type of context? He is, yes. Um, there, in a way, yes. My, my, my brother Josh and I's relationship is, is really close. And um, like if you were to just look at our um you know, doctrinal beliefs and transitions. It would, you know, I would follow probably right along, kind of, you know, say a year behind him in sort of these changes. Um, so I, I think it could definitely be said yes um, that I did, but um, in my mind, it's like I, I, um, it was almost that initial change that that I began to think wait a second just because this is what I was taught as though you know I was told that this is what the bible says that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the bible says um and so when that sort of mental bridge gave out in my mind then it began to sort of like challenge some of my just basic assumptions about things. And then even, even through testimony, like, like for instance, one of the things, like I'm not, um, a super intellectual type thinker. Um, but it's like some of the observations, like with the King James, right. They would, um, they pull up all these verses, right. That aren't in these other manuscripts. Like, you know, bless God, they're taking out the blood of Jesus, you know, look at this verse, it doesn't have the blood in there, and then, um, um, look at this verse, it doesn't have repentance, they take that word repentance out, and so, you know, these versions are subtly teaching that repentance isn't necessary, but then as I begin interacting, um, well, with my brother, with um, various people that that I would listen to sermons from people who are reformed or who use other versions. And it's like, they're going to do this series on the need for repentance in the church. And they're not using the King James version. So if all these other versions are like denying repentance, 
how in the world are they coming to this? You know, so it just, it like, this mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. That they're, they're saying that these versions are taking out repentance. Then these people who are studying these versions are really hard uh, and convinced and passionate about the need for repentance. This doesn't seem to go together. And um, so it's just like that, that claim is very... Mm-hmm shallow Mm -hmm. you know and and flat i feel like um um so those sorts of things and then um then like with the reformed like uh, obviously a huge emphasis on the sovereignty of god and i feel like that line of thought in terms of in terms of god's sovereignty and even it, it it kind of um began more in the framework of of god's will um, so, so right, finding and doing God's will was a huge emphasis in, in my upbringing. There was that language, mm-hmm. you know, you have to find God's will and then, you, you know, you need to do God's will. Um, and it was like, well, we start with the basic things that the scripture teaches, you know, I mean, so, um, you know. But but then beyond that, for instance, this, this happened. I, I feel like when when Victoria and I began um, talking a lot, it was like a, um, you know, because that was a huge decision, right? Who you're going to marry is massive, so you need to make sure that you know you get the right one, um, that you uh, find God's will, and you know, and they would even. Uh, divided up into God's, uh, you know, perfect will versus his permissive will. I don't know if you've heard that terminology, but hmm. um, so this idea that, um, that right, God has this plan for you. Um, you know, this girl was born in Virginia two years after you were born or before, you know, and since the very conception of time, like God planned for you guys to find each other and get together but you have to figure out which one that is so if there's this girl she's pretty you're talking to her you're you're like you have to discern now is this just i think she's pretty so i'm talking to her or is this like a godly like i'm seeking god's will in this um which actually kind of randomly on on the opposite side ends up like, oh, no, she's pretty. She's probably not God's will for me, you know? <laughs> like, because uh, uh, that's just obviously my baser instincts. I can't can't go with that. Um, so it's just, it's very confusing. And a, a ton of weight put on, well, especially men, obviously, in, in that the women are waiting for the men to, to come in. So, so the men are taking the initiative. So... Um, you know, a lot of weight, like, man, is that one, you, of course, want to get married, um, but then how do you, you know, man, because, you know, if you, if you get the wrong one, your life is going to be miserable. So it's like, oh, man, I don't want my life to be miserable. So how do I find the right one? And so even, like, talking to my parents, like, how do I, you know, well, she needs to be a Christian. Oh, I Okay, right, I get that. What else? Like, how do you know? And it was kind of a hem-hawing, or at least my perception of it was like, it's kind of a hem-hawing down to, 
well, when you know, you'll know, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay. And so then, uh, went to college, began talking with, um, with Victoria and, um, I'm like, mom, you know, mom, dad, I think, I mean, I think this is the one. And, uh, they didn't really care for her initially. <laughs> so they were kind of like, I don't know. And that was so confusing to me because it's like this whole time, you know, you've been saying like, when you know, you'll know. And I'm telling you, I know. Mm-hmm. And you're like, nah, maybe not. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, wait mm-hmm. a second, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then in terms of that thinking of like, wait a second, this, this whole even, right, if it's up to us to find out, you know, these markers and connect the dots, that's kind of dependent upon everybody doing it right, or we're all messed up, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, because if the guy in uh, Utah was supposed to marry the girl in Virginia, and then the girl in Virginia gets rebellious and goes marries a guy from Florida, mm-hmm. well, now who's the guy in Utah supposed to marry? Right. You know, oh, well, that's God's back, you know, he has a backup plan. But is that backup plan as good as his original plan? Well, you know... Mm-hmm. So then, and what if both of them get rebellious and marry somebody else? And, you know, you're saying they're going against God's perfect plan. Well, there's always a way. So it's like this, even in that sort of language, there's always this way for God's perfect will to happen. So it's like, so God's sovereign over this thing. Um, and if it's not for God's sovereignty, then we we don't have I mean how do we do anything you know like God is in control Um, which then again there's the reaction so you're saying anything you do would be within God's sovereign will and yes technically like if I if I went uh, to the neighbor's house and you know uh, stole all their stuff like would God you know if your neighbor, would that be in God's sovereign plan for your neighbor to be robbed? Well, yes, but then I can go do that. No, <laughs> you know, so it's this, it, it, it's it's kind of a, um, you know, um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting, interesting thing. But it was kind of that, like, they, they were puzzling to, like, right, they don't want God to be culpable for sin, so if you say God is sovereign overall, then how how do you re, you know divorce him from culpability or responsibility for it? Um, so yeah. are your are your parents still in um, like um, independent Baptist? They circles? are yes, okay. yeah. And are they okay with the the direction you and your brother have gone in and so forth? Not really, no. Okay. Um, I mean, there we have you know a decent relationship with them. It's mm-hmm. not like a, it's not like a big. Um, spat or anything, and I think some initially, like when when my brother first started, there was a little bit more contention. Mm-hmm. But I think um, just the testimony of life has had some effect on that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, even growing up, like Calvinism was a heresy, and I was like, hmm. like it's taught as a heresy. Like in the college that I went to, is like this is why Calvinism is absolutely heretical. Um, 
So initially, it was like, oh man, my kid, you know, they're going into heresy, like, pretty soon they're going to be, you know, uh, just holding a bottle in their hands in the gutter all day long, and they're going to be beating on their wife and kids, and you know, like, I mean, just kind of like worst case scenario, like this Mm -hmm. is just going downhill to a, uh, just a out of control life. And so I think sort of through time and testimony, it's like, wow, like they're actually doing okay, you know? (laughs) So were you ever rebellious toward Christianity or was it just kind of changing your path on it, but you were always kind of like, did you ever have a a conversion experience? Yeah. So um, when I was 15 years old, um, I had made a, a profession of faith. Um, oh, I, I guess, I don't know. I think it was around really young, five or six or something. And I, and I have a vague memory of, um, and I don't remember if it was my brother or friends at church that had, um, you know, professed faith. And it was like, okay, kind of like, yeah, I want to do that, you know. And I remember talking to my dad and... And it was, well, hey, you know, if, yeah, if you want to get saved, it's kind of, uh, again, even in that thinking, it's a very sort of a, yeah, well, if you know these things and you don't want to go to hell, then, right yeah, I mean, yeah, of course I'm going to leave my son in a, yeah, you know, pray, don't, it's not the prayer that, right, they would emphasize, it's not the prayer that saves you, it, it's that you believe these things, you know, do you believe these things, and yeah, I do, so, you know, go on and. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll lead you in this prayer, and then right. you know you're saved. Kind, kind of a um, uh, format. Um, so I remember doing that at five, but I is there was or five or six. I don't remember. I was really young, and but there was nothing that that was just a doing it because other people were doing it. Thought, okay, I guess this is something to do, mm-hmm. and then. Um, I remember when I was 15, I had um, just felt like um, things, and and even looking back, trying to remember what the circumstances in terms of like what I was doing, we were going to a Christian school, there was, um, I felt like just sin, I, I, I guess, in, in my life that was manifested through various school Many rebellions, I suppose you could say, or just like my heart was, and it was like, I guess it it came to where like, it was like, man, I, something's not right here. You know, I'm, um, something's not right. And I came to the conclusion, I don't think I'm, I don't think I've really, I don't think I'm really a a believer. So I, I made a profession of faith at 15. And I really felt like, man, if I, right, there was this um, emotional, like, um, urgency to it. I think it was, if I remember right, it was like a Thursday night, which typically there wasn't anything going on on a, on a Thursday night. And we, I remember we had just finished watching some movie at home. And I couldn't hardly concentrate throughout the whole movie because I was thinking, like, if I die right now, I'm going to hell. You know, wow. like... <laughs> Um, and it was um, 
kind of just terrified. And so I remember like telling my mom, like, Mom, I need to get saved, which is the vernacular that, that was, uh, you know, customary. It's like, okay. So we went in her bedroom, and I was like, I, so I, I uh, prayed a short prayer, you know, just asked the Lord to, to save me. Um, so that's um, when I would say, like, that there was a profession of faith. Now, since um, coming into sort of a more robust understanding or, or learning on the gospel and conversion, I feel like looking back, I don't know if that was legitimate. Did not. you find relief? Like, was there an experience of God's spirit of knowing you you were forgiven or anything? Yeah, like I there was. It was okay. like a I, I I yes, there was a like a a um, a burden lifted. It, f- mm-hmm. it felt like like okay, I'm good now, right? I can go to bed. <laughs> Essentially, like it was kind of that like I can yeah. sleep. Um, and then I remember you know being excited about it. My grandparent, you know, calling my grandparents up you know, um, not being ashamed mm-hmm. of it. So, so, so there's in some sense that I think that there is arguments to be made that I think the Lord and the little faith that I had and the little understanding that I had, that that's, um, a time, you know, where that conversion happened. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know because there. I remember there being such a terror of hell, and so even now trying to parse through in terms of like, how does a fear of hell um, come into the equation of someone's conversion? Is that um, legitimate, or to what extent is that legitimate in terms of the Lord using that to draw someone to Himself and? Um, there's in some sense I, I I think that that is not not contradictory toward towards the scriptural testimony like that that um, the fear of hell would be something to to draw you to submit right the wrath of God is coming so like I'm, I need to submit to my Lord but on the other hand I think there's a way in which that can just be a selfish like um, escape route sort of a thing and like I just I need to check a box so I feel better mm-hmm. and hopefully I escape um, punishment so um, yeah I don't exactly know um, where I land on that and I remember um, um, in the later years struggling at times right when I was dealing with sin of my own and it's like wait a second am I even like I don't feel like I should be struggling with this. Like, I don't think, it, why, why would a you know, Christian be struggling with this? And so am I even really a Christian, you know? And I remember talking to um, um, a couple guys ar- around me, you know, trying, like telling them, you, you know, these sorts of things. It always came back to like, well, the right, we don't have faith in a prayer, our faith isn't in an, in an experience. Our faith is in Jesus. And so, you know, in 
turning and believing, trusting in him alone. So um, it's not so much a, well, did you trust in him back then? It's like, well, are you trusting in him right now? You know, I mean, is your faith in him now? And consistently it was, yes. I mean, I don't, there's nothing else to trust in. I certainly can't trust in myself. I'm failing miserably, you know. Um, and and who else is there? You know, kind of sure. almost like Peter. Like, right. So who else, I mean, you right. have the words, that, you know, to who else shall we turn? You know, you have right. the words of truth. I don't feel like I can go anywhere else. Right. So, Yeah. Faith is kind of uncomfortable sometimes, but um, it's kind of like I think of Peter's sentiments also. It's like, well, what else is there? <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Just um, so, okay. So um, let me see if there's another thing. Um, okay. So what's the most satisfying or fulfilling thing to you uh, that you do that when you're doing it, you find, you know, the most satisfying, fulfilling type of thing? Mm. Um, I think a lot of that comes um, in, in the work that I do. Like, um, you know, um, constructing something. And there's a difference between just um, something, a project. There are various projects that we have where I, a, um, a customer just wants a quick sort of overhaul, you know, just make it look pretty, kind of um, patch it up, make it look okay. Like, for instance, I actually, this this was side work, actually, but there was a, a bathroom that I just finished, and um, they had hired some other people to come in and do their bathroom, and they just did a terrible job with it. So they hired me to come in um, as best I could sort of address some of the major sort of issues to make it look better. So there is still satisfaction in that, but it's not, it's kind of like you just sort of picking up what was there. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Whereas there are times when you run into a sort of a custom type of a situation where there's a unique um, arrangement of the cabinetry or you have to, um, overcome some sort of obstacle. And in these situations, right, I'm, would be, I guess, a Finnish carpenter in some senses, though I do kind of all of it, but, but right, I'm responsible for it, the end product looking good. So it's kind of this balance of like, okay, um, you know, form function sort of a thing. It has to function correctly, but it also needs to look good. Um, so, when you're up against something like that, where, where um, you've got a challenge, it needs to work right, but it also needs to look beautiful um, when you're done, you know. And so you come up with something, maybe something you've never done before, or a way you've never thought of doing it before, and you try it, and it works out, and it looks beautiful. It, that's very satisfying, you yeah. know. It's like, um, I guess, making beauty like is very. Mm-hmm. It's very satisfying. Yeah. It's why making children is satisfying. Beautiful children. Yeah. My children are very... Um, I, I uh, <laughs> 
there's a certain sense in their satisfying um, in just um, being able to get home. I've just recently been on a, a stint where I've been doing a lot of side work, so I've been working late into the evenings. So like even the past two or three days, it's been like if I've seen them, it's been like right before bed and put them to bed and that's it. And so uh, like yesterday, I got home a little earlier than I than I have been. And so getting home and being able to actually spend time and they're all, you know, running towards you and, you know, uh, talking your head off because they haven't seen you, you know, or haven't really been able to interact with you uh, Mm -hmm. in a while. So that's very, um, you know, children are satisfying, but it's not always, you're not always thinking of it that way. You're not always, uh, you know, a lot of times you hooligans, you know, (laughs) you've made a mess again. Oh my goodness. Why can't you, you know, but in those times when you're able to observe them as they truly are, as these blessed little blessings that love you and you love them. And you have this little mini culture in a little mini place. Um, that's very satisfying. Like, mm-hmm. man, you know, and even yeah. contrasting um, I, the times that you get a contrast. I just had a, um, a client. He was, um, he was like, 70 and she you know a husband and wife couple uh in the in their early 70s and they had two daughters one is now uh like 42 and the other's like 44 and the older daughter's very successful they're both very successful one lives in new york city one lives in la the one in la works for glamour very successful career just had a big book come out um you know was kind of rising in the career world of the entertainment sort of side. So very, you know, they'd say very successful in their career. Um, but neither one of them are married. Neither one of them have any kids. And, you know, there were comments and things throughout my time there from the parents that are kind of like, man, I'm super proud of my girls, but uh, man, I'd love some grandkids kind of a thing, you know, and like sort Mm -hmm. of a, um, man, their careers, you, you know, their careers are going awesome. Um, whereas, you know, well, I think it's true. What's that? It's just coming to mind that verse in Proverbs, right? The glory of, or I don't know, something about grandkids being, you know, or, or the, I, I can't remember exactly. But just, just the idea of like, there was, there was a shallowness to life because of the unfruitfulness of their children in, the, in that sense, in a very literal sense, you know? Yeah. And so thinking like, here I am working for these people who have tons more money than I have. And um, from the world's point of view, like in a theory, you know, tons more success than I have. But yet like, man, I go to home to a full home, you know, with children and, a wife and a family and that in even in the end you know there's more potential impact on the world with my children and what they end up doing and yeah. what their kids end up doing mm-hmm. than than you know so it just man you give your life to a career and making money what is that <laughs> you know that's mm-hmm. in the at the end of the day that's it's just money. It's not um, super fulfilling. I mean, we need money, right? right. We have to have money. Right. Uh, money's not bad, but um, 
but it's not it, you know. So, right. so yeah, I think family, family's fulfilling. My work's fulfilling. Um, what do you know now about life that you didn't know necessarily when you were younger? <clears throat> um... I would say that it's eternal, like in the sense that um, like as a kid, you know you can't wait to to turn thirteen, you know you can't wait then to turn sixteen, I can drive, you know, and can't wait to turn eighteen, then I can't wait to get married, and then I can't wait to all these things um then, as you get older, time starts going by faster, it feels. But yet, um, I, I, I guess with the more I come to understand, right, the reality of Christ and the reality of his reign and the reality of us being eternal is that life, yes, it still, it still goes by fast and it's, I'm sure, going to feel like it's going by faster. But yet, we don't need to rush it. Yet, you know, like there's this, like in, enjoy um, the moments now. Um, but a plan. Uh, so it's this weird paradigm. It's like this, man, don't get in a hurry. But think about the future, because that's also something that I don't feel like I did very well, um, you know, as a child or, or even early early years, early in our marriage, it's like, man, plan for the future. Um, but live in the moment. But live yeah. in the moment, yeah. Right. You know, like, don't um, don't be so consumed with the future that it makes your existence now miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Lord's got you. You, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it is, that we- it is that weird thing. I feel like I'm constantly trying to make in my mind, disclaimers come up in my head all the time when I say something like that. The Lord's got you. So don't sit on the couch, right? But, but the, the Lord's going to take care of you. So get out there and do it mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Um, but do it, but enjoy it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about the same question only <clears throat> concerning relationships? So what do you know now about relationships that you didn't know when you were younger? Oh, man, that they're... Um, um that they're much more um complicated and much more satisfying and um they're not they're not um uh they're not like a a Lamborghini that we might want but don't need there are things in the category of things we need. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't we can't survive um, without them, and they're not um, they're not amenities. They're they're to be you know there's there's something to them that is that is long lasting, and I think some of that ties into the eternality, like that the you know in a, in a Christian worldview, right? If you your brothers and sisters who are also submitted to the Lord, like 
um, I don't know what our relationships are going to be like in eternity, um, but at the very least, we'll still be acquainted, right? <laughs> um, so, so they go on, and that's something I wish. I mean, uh, growing up, we moved around a lot. Um, so, like, even even the idea of like a childhood friend that I still have, like, I don't, I don't have any. Like, my brother is is my closest friend, you know. I would say, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have. I mean, I have childhood acquaintances where if we if we ran into each other, it'd be like, Hey, how's it going? You know, and we chat and talk and stuff and have a good time, but it's not, you know, like a, uh, ongoing relationship. What do you mean by complicated? Like you said, you never, um, uh, um, just that, um, well, and maybe, maybe complicated is, is, Maybe compl- maybe a better word would be that they're full of sin, <laughs> you know. That they're uh, hmm. that. Whereas a, as a kid, you know, like relationships seem easy, I guess, in a way, like because the things that you talk about are so simple, you know, like what toy do you have, or how can we play with your toy, or you want to play with my toy now, or uh, you know, um, remember my brother and I, we always, you know. As kids, we'd have, um, he always wanted, we'd have these terminologies for the things we were going to play. And we'd play, do you want to play a game with us in it? We would term it, or a game with toys in it. So <laughs> there was this like, like we'd have to decide which way we were going to go. Okay, do we want to play some kind of imaginary game with toy cowboys and whales and whatever? Play with some toys or do we want to go out and like pretend we're cowboys and that we're, you know, conquering the wild west or something. Um, so it's like pretty simple, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of relationship things. But I guess, um, I, I guess as you get older, you know, the sin that shows up in those relationships is like, Oh, you know, anger, just, uh, outlashed anger or something like, oh, I can't believe you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, probably those same things come up in older relationships. They just come out in more sophisticated ways. <laughs> it may still be the same underlying anger that comes out, but um, or or pride or selfishness. Um, um, and it's hard to navigate. Like, um, is what I am expecting from this relationship? legitimate or what should I pass on? Like I, I, and I guess honestly relationship, like, you know, my closest relationship is with my wife, um, and is where the complications come in, you know, in the marriage relationship. So there's, you know, trying to parse out what is, what are things that, um, you know, you should just, pass on and um, sort of um, defer and what things are things that you should um, stand your ground in some sense in, in whatever the the issue is um, and then of course as Christians like trying to fulfill those roles um, as husband and wife in terms of scripture in terms of loving and sacrificing for her 
and her in submission and respect to the husband like how does that work and how does it look because there's sometimes that there's a feeling of like if I give up on this then I'm letting down what my role as a leader is supposed to be but on the other hand there's this voice saying but if you don't give up on this you're not loving you're not doing your role as a husband and so how to parse that out right right it's it gets complicated and and hard to uh um to figure out um in in Mm -hmm. some of those ways Yeah. yeah Well, what's your relationship or like your experience of God like beyond, you know, just sorting out the right doctrine and the right practices and so forth? Like what, you know, how do you experience the connection to God? Yeah, I think um, I would say a lot of my connection to God in in at least what I think you're asking me comes at me in um, comfort and in enjoyment. Like, so when suffering at various levels come along, there's sort of comfort or like I can rely on him. Like there's a certain sense of, um, you know, he, he's got this. He knows what's going on. You know, he's here. He, he knows the difficulty that's going on. Um, so, so kind of in, in varying degrees of suffering, there's that sense of his presence, like, and that and he, he's... Are you talking about any kind of particular suffering? Or? Well, um, obviously that it'd be on a spectrum, but even from like just rough days at work, okay. right. um, all the way to like, we've had a couple, you know, miscarriages okay. and so like a, a more weighty kind of things like that, mm-hmm. um, or, um, like my grandma passed away not too long ago, so like even in, in death and some, you know, so in those bigger times, there's that sense of, um, I wouldn't, you know, where I wouldn't say I'm enjoying his presence, but in one sense, you, I, you really are, like because it's mm-hmm. like, man, you know, there's something stable to rely on, even though. Um, Right, my emotions in this moment are a whirlwind. Um, you know, there's there's stability there, um, but thankfully, I I feel like that is, I feel like the enjoyment side is more, um, like, and and part of that comes from a doctrinal change and like seeing the world as his creation actually you know other than just like sort of a passing acknowledgement of it like yeah yeah i mean god created the world but like wait a second when you stop and think about like we didn't come up with any of these ideas you know this is all god i mean sure we arranged the wood and the Mm -hmm. elements in certain ways and that's a creative function you know but but like the trees we didn't come up with the sunset and the sunrise. You know, we didn't come up with um, actually even our senses and our ability to even comprehend those things. We didn't even come up with. Mm-hmm. So, like all of this, it's all a good gift 
from the Lord. And so I feel like a lot of my experience in terms of experiencing God in that way comes through the enjoyment of his creation. Like just, man. And that's almost across the board. I mean, my wife is a creation of his. I mean, every, anything in the world that I enjoy is his creation and a good gift to, quote, me, but to humanity, you know, like, it's from him. So there's there's a huge sense of just, like, my goodness, you know, God's so gracious to us to give us, you know, such wonderful things. Even you think of, like, I'm not very acquainted uh, in depth with, like, you know, uh, Greek mythology and, you know, um, the conceptions of other gods, but there seems to be this like be very angry and very selfish and mankind is there just to serve all of uh, their desires and wants. And there's a certain sense in which of course all is for God's glory, but God is the kind of God that takes glory and us enjoying what he has given. And well, so much of that comes to even like, um, to our to our children, you know, I feel like an illustration that right you buy your child a bicycle, you know, and you see the glow, like oh man, they're enjoying, they're like this is such a cool bike, and you don't feel, um, you know, you don't feel betrayed because like hey, I bought that bike for you, you should be enjoying me, but like them mm-hmm. enjoying that bicycle like makes your heart happy like yeah yeah and it's like oh dad you know what you're the source of this bicycle i just want to spend the next three weeks just sitting with you and where i'm like no go ride the bicycle (laughs) you know like i go ride it Mm -hmm. um i take pleasure in you enjoying what i've given to you. you you know that that pleasures me for you to enjoy that so I think, I think there's something in, you know, even in just a cup of coffee or, you know, a good meal, um, a fire, you know, there's just so much, I mean, really you get down to it, literally everything that is enjoyable at any level, it's like, man, this is the Lord, you know? So we're a part of, <clears throat> we're in creation, we're a part of creation, and, um, you know, there's just so much to be thankful for but what about times when that gives way do you experience god's presence and comfort then for example when you're puking into the toilet or (laughs) covid or whatever you know things you've experienced and it's kind of a reminder like i'm an embodied creature someday it's not going to be there any longer and um am i okay with just entrusting who I am into the hands of God at that point. Like, do you feel God's presence then? And like that, or I don't know, for me, sometimes I feel so dependent upon this body and things that um, when I realize that it's vulnerable, it's like, whoa, am I okay with that? (laughs) Or um, am I just too much attached to it? And rather than, the God behind it. I don't know. Have you, right. have you experiences like that? Or? Well, I don't know. I mean, um, 
thankfully, you know, in terms of bodily affliction, like I, I haven't experienced a whole lot of that. Uh, I mean, other than, other than I suppose you could say your common sicknesses, you know, right. yeah. um, the flu, you know, COVID, um, that, you know, colds, um, but I haven't, you know, I haven't experienced a lot of, of bodily and, and so has, I mean, I, I probably feel sorry for myself when I'm going through those things. Like, uh, this is so annoying and this is not fun and I do not enjoy this at all. Um, but I don't know that in those moments, I certainly, um, like my mind doesn't, um, it doesn't drift into like, uh, man, this is Lord. Thank you. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it certainly doesn't just, it's not like when you're looking at a beautiful fire or a sunset and you're just like, wow. Um, so that, that thought doesn't just naturally sort of pop up when I'm Mm -hmm. puking, you know? Right. Oh Lord. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess, so in terms of experientially, no, it's just kind of a drudging getting through it right. um, until, you're, until you're better. And then you feel relief and thank you. <laughs> right, right, right. As soon as I'm done. Uh, well, actually, I mean, I suppose there's been times I'm like, man, I, feel, I would feel so much better if I just barfed. And then you barf and you're like, oh, all right. I feel a little better. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know? yeah. But um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, in... in um, I feel like in thinking about it, those infirmities are a reminder that this is a fallen world, you know, and that um, even even things like, well, I mean, death and at all, um, but even even other infirmities that the, these are a, a fallen world. I feel like um, C.S. Lewis is really. Um, well, I say him, but I haven't really read a ton of his works, but like the one that stands out to me is the um, his Cosmos trilogy or his Space trilogy. Oh, yeah. As, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard arguments that he wouldn't want it to be called the Space trilogy because he's trying to get get us away from thinking it as it about space or, or in terms of it just being space. But anyway, uh, um, but the, his Space trilogy really like impacted my imagination um in terms of thinking of even creation mm, yeah. and like um have you have you read his space trilogy yeah so, so you're thinking of perilandra i think it's called right yeah well yeah out of the silent planet mm-hmm. is the first one and then and then perilandra right both worlds are not fa- are um unfallen right there i believe or maybe well out of ours is the silent planet right but Our, I think it's Perilandra. It's like the Malacandra is Mars, right? And Perilandra is Venus. I believe is the kind of yeah. I guess I. It's been a while, but yeah. it seems like there was one planet. Maybe it was Venus that was like unfallen, and it just right. it was such a contrast between like what we just think is a natural experience, but what right. an unfallen experience might be like, you know? Right, and and uh, I remember the dialogue. Um, I believe it was on uh, the the first planet he goes to, where um, right he's interacting with the na- natives and kind of figuring out their language and stuff, and um, is trying to explain because he you know has the two other guys that are 
bent, mm-hmm. right? More bent than he is, I suppose, in the, they use that terminology. And um, meaning, you know, sinful or malicious. And um, trying to, like, explain to them, like, well, why would they shoot us? Or, And then even in his reaction, there's three different species on the planet, and he's wondering which one of them is the dominant species. Mm-hmm. And they just don't even think right. in those terms. Like, it's just like... Right. What do you mean? Why Why would they rule over us? Or why would... No, the Oyarsa, you know, the, mm-hmm. the oh, you know, archangel or whatever you want to call it, you know, yeah. rules. So, like, there's... Um, so, it, that, that really stirred my imagination in terms of, like, an unfallen world really would be just like, no, we are um, content... You know, we're just very content with where we are. With... I think they even had death on that world, didn't they? They did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, um, yeah, but it was a, if it wasn't, there was the one um, arc enemy of the Hrasa, I believe they were called, that was, and I can't remember the name of it, but the sea beast, essentially. Right. And the sea beast would show up mm-hmm. every so many years or maybe once a year, or I don't remember the frequency, but then they would all go out to battle, mm-hmm. um, the sea beast and some would die then. But other than that, um, it was like, um, the same amount of time for everyone. And mm-hmm. so they knew when their death was coming, you know, the, all the creatures that were born on the same day would die on the same day. Mm-hmm. And they, but it wasn't something that was dreaded or right. it was just, uh, this is me going to Mileldil, as they would call it. But, um, right. Yeah. Yeah, so really, really shaped my imagination in that way. Well, it's been good. You have some good insight and just common sense wisdom about you. I appreciate that. Um, I guess just kind of something to wrap up on. Um. And anything that you want to bring up here before we can wrap up is fine. But um, here's like a just a, something to wrap up on, like a question: What do you find yourself reminding yourself of often? Because you know, because you think it's important. Is there anything like that in life, a rule of life, or just not so much that, but just something you remind yourself of? Um, that's a good question. Um, no, I'm pretty forgetful. No. <laughs> um, uh, I try to remind myself of that there's a, uh, sort of a hierarchy of importance in terms of things. Some things are more important than others. Um, now trying to sort out which, which ones are which in a, in a given moment, you know, you come into some sort of conflict or even in your own mind, like you feel yourself that, um, even in your own life, you're trying like, no, that this feel, this feels important, but is it really, you know? So trying to remind myself that there are, that, um, the world isn't flat and, and, um, issues are not flat there hierarchical some things are more important than others 
So, um, yeah. Now from there, it just <laughs> dissolves into chaos. <laughs> but, no, that's good. But, <laughs> um, yeah, like that's kind of along the lines of Jesus, where he said, you know, you tithe uh, mint and cumin or whatever, and right. you know, but you're disregarding the more weightier things. Like there's, right. yeah, there's important things to give attention to. Yeah. Right, so that's good. Yep. Anything else before we just wrap up? No. Uh, you know, no, encourage everybody to seek the Lord, you know, he, um, well, you live in his world, so, uh, it'd do you good. Yep. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Being got Jeremy. <laughs> no, that's all right. Appreciate it. Yep. Mm-hmm.